If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. This is the Change Physician, episode 240. Welcome back to The Change Physician. I am Melissa Cady, The Challenge Doctor, with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, bringing you an episode discussing the realm of, if you don't use it, you lose it, or if you use it doesn't mean you're abusing it. I mean, I don't know. We'll come up with a little fancy title afterwards. Um, what, why don't you tell people what, what we're referring to, Kevin? I think... Uh, we looked at an article and it made us start talking about it. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so the it, it, it is interesting because they then brought up the move it or lose it thing because people will often say move it or lose it, and yet in medicine, what we will typically say is, oh, well, you got these degenerative changes, stop moving. Mm-hmm. And one of the big ones is running, right? How often have people been told, oh, we, um, you have knee, you have arthritis in your knees, you don't run anymore, <laughs> and. Um, the danger of that is it almost sounds like it should make sense, right? Oh, yeah, I'm pounding on those knees. And so obviously I wore out of the cars and blah, 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 except for the fact that it doesn't actually match the data. And so this has been studied multiple times. And it was it come up again because obviously we don't learn. And so there was a new presentation just this year was released to, you know, someone released it to their PR people. And they're just talking about the differences between um, hip and knee osteoarthritis, which is typically what people call wear and tear, and the differences between runners and non-runners. And lo and behold, there is little to no difference between runners and non-runners. And one of this, this used to just drive me insane because as we talked about in the Saturday salutations, there is, I can't think of a single chronic condition where moving less is better than moving more. None of them. And certainly the top, top health risks in the country right now, when you're thinking of things like diabetes, think about obesity, you're talking about, you know, cardiovascular disease, and certainly this idea of osteoarthritis movement is good. And, you know, knees specifically, when you're looking is actually moving those knees, it starts getting the blood flow through the cartilage because there already have not a lot of good blood that goes to them because of the nature of how the tissues are, are conformed. And now you're going to tell people not to move so that they're less likely to get the fluids that are, that are actually designed to maintain that joint. It, it's just absolutely insane. Yeah. So, um, and so I mean, this, this is just one of many, I mean, I've, I've seen people who golfed it was a is a activity that they absolutely loved and then they had back pain and then they had an mri and um which mm. showed oh boy. degenerative changes which again if you are over the age of five and you get <laughs> imaging of your body you're gonna see changes in your internal structures just like you do on the external side but this person was told that they should never golf again And it's like, where in the hell did that come from? Um, When you, when your people talk about arthritis and they think about movement. So running is the biggest, biggest one. I know so many people are like, oh, I love to run, but I can't, I can't run anymore. I've got arthritis. And I just want to say, oh God. Oh, fuck. Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) And I can't. That's how you really feel. I do. No, and it just kills me. It, it, It just kills me. 
because you're watching these people degrade completely unnecessarily. Um, oh, yeah. Oh. Well, let me, I'll let you pause out of that uh, intense uh, frustration that I equally share with you. Um, let me, let me just give my example of something just that atrocious. I literally had uh, an MRI done for the purposes of writing my book back in like 2015. I had this MRI done just to kind of like show, cause I knew it was going to have something and something's going to show up as abnormal. So there's actually quite a bit of stuff that looks concerning, like, oh, it's squeezing on the nerve roots. It's doing this and that. Oh, you have like pretty much no disc there, or it's like virtually, you know, completely unhealthy. Um, your typical degenerative disc disease patient. That was me. And I've done gymnastics. I've done all this other stuff, whatever. For the whatever purposes, um, I did that to demonstrate to people. When I mentioned it to the nice physician that ordered it for me so that I could have this, when I just happened to share the results, that person said, oh, you shouldn't be, you don't, you shouldn't be running with all that. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm fine. I can run. I'm like, there's no problems. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is for a non-complaint. You know, I made it, you know, for the purposes of the exam, I had them write, you know, history of low back pain, left hip pain, or you know, something Which like is that. true. You're not committing fraud. You did have a history of low no, back pain. No, I did have a history, but it was not yeah. active. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously that current abnormality didn't mean I was currently having pain. Um, so I just found that fascinating that another physician would tell me, you know, I love this person. They're super sweet and all that stuff, but they're based on these beliefs and, and just bad, bad, um, instruction. So anyway, so, uh, that was my like, holy cow. Like if I was a patient and took every word that my physician said, and it doesn't mean you don't respect a physician's training and, and what they come with and, and them trying to help you. But there's also recognition that the common sense thing we talked about, like it's the running is not necessarily going to create the problem. Maybe it's your strategy or how you're going about it. Um, and there's way more to modern pain science. You should go listen to Kevin's you know, teachings on that, uh, at why we hurt. Is that right? Why we hurt. Why we hurt.com. That's for, yeah. for lay yeah. people. Yeah. That way I don't have to get into it right now. But the point is, is that there's just, there's really a risk of putting patients in a position where, like you said, the golf, you take away golf. Maybe that's how he sees his friends. That's how he gets his connection. That's how he gets outside and moves. And you just strip that away from people with just really poor understanding of things you can set people up for a downward spiral. It might take five, 10, 20 years to get to, but that's, that can be a very critical part of that person's life. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention based on that article that we're looking at, and it was actually someone who does um, research uh, where there was a quote, the joint is really an active living part of the body, almost like an organ, which that goes for every joint in the body. Like there's, mm -hmm. There is the synovium, like in the knee joint, and there's fluid, and there's there's things that you want movement. You don't want to be stuck. We're not little parts that get popped together, like from a box you open up. Like these human beings are not like that. Like there is an active living structure. Even I'm surprised that people don't realize the bone is a living tissue. It's just not sitting there. Like it's a very critical part. It's constantly active, and building changing. up, breaking down, changing. Yeah. Like 
there's, and there's changes in the way the bone marrow, like there's so much that goes on that we completely discredit the human body for being so freaking amazing. So my point from this is, you know, here's someone that kind of gets it conceptually as an orthopedic surgeon that, and who does research. Um, he said, uh, uh, you know, we're often compared to being like a car. If you liken people to cars intuitively makes sense that the more you use your joints the more you're going to wear them out, but the joint is really active and living. Um, and he said something else here that, I uh, even said uh, it's concerning that runners are being advised by their physician to reduce or eliminate their running. And it says that it's a safe activity. And, you know, even for me, like if I haven't ran in a while, I'm not going to go run 10 miles. Like the first time I'm out there, like you, all you got to do, and we've done multiple episodes on this is understand that we are adaptive creatures. So understanding that we're adaptive just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it that way because there can be a price you pay, which might be oversensitizing your body. Think freaking out. Like what the hell did you just do to me? And I'm hurting like hell, but at the same time, doesn't mean you have to stop running. Maybe you just need to change your strategy. Start, start low, go slow. And for me, I walk, I jog a little, I walk, I just gently reintroduce running into my life and my whole body thanks me for it by not yelling at me later. It's It just adapts and it gets used to it. And here's this one last thing before I turn it over to you, is they even do these things where marathon runners, only 7% of them were, there's a lot of things you can throw into this, but 7% diagnosed with osteoarthritis. Does that mean they have pain all the time? Probably not. Well, you know, well that's look, because that's, that's bringing up the imaging findings. Because that's right. the other thing is people, I mean, this is, this is the whole um well, not the whole, but but the whole wicked spiral of mm. of of pain medicine in the United States, yeah. which is an absolute travesty and awful, god awful thing. And we're both pain fellowship trained physicians, yeah. by the way, folks. To we're not completely nuts. Yeah. But when you look at imaging, and you look at degenerative changes, and then you look at people who have pain or experiencing pain, and people who aren't experiencing pain, the numbers almost perfectly align, except for some very very subtle and kind of progressive things. And yet we use this as a form of confirmation of our biases that we that bodies are like the car, that wear and tear is inevitable, that there's nothing that can be done. And if we have something that's wearing and tearing, or there's something that has degenerated over time, then obviously that's quote unquote the source where your pain pus is oozing from. And it is freaking nonsense. And for physicians specifically, I know if you guys are listening out there, at least know the data on the imaging. Because when you talk to somebody and you say, well, I'm getting this x-ray to whatever, tell the source of your pain. And then you see a normal age-related finding. It's this, and you're saying your back pain is coming from this. You have now implanted a pain, a mechanical-based, biomechanical-based pain belief in your, in your, in your patient. Mm -hmm. Those beliefs are associated with worse outcomes than almost anything else that you can do. And if you're not going to tell somebody who walks in your office with a headache that their wrinkles on their forehead is the source of their headache, then don't do it when it's the wrinkles in the back. It, 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 and it, but we don't realize it, or we kind of recognize the data, but we don't truly believe and understand it. Because there's a lot of, oh, well, I know what the imaging studies say. Well, if you know the imaging studies say that, then understand the implications of what you're doing when you're ordering imaging. Um, you know, we order imaging to rule out bad things, not to rule in sources of subjective experiences. You know, we don't, you know, we don't do a, 
you know, nausea. Nausea is a subjective experience. There is a physical sensation. There's this cognitive element that draws attention and there's a meaning behind it. And you combine these together and you don't say, well, you know, your, your nausea is coming from your belly button because you have an Audi and I have an innie. And so that's obviously where your nausea is coming from. It, 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 you, instead, they come in with nausea, then you're going to rule out, well, what are the possibilities here? Do you have a mass? Do you have an obstruction? Do you have an ulcer? Do you have these things? So you do your testing to rule out those bad things. Mm-hmm. And if they're still nauseous, you start getting back to the things that they need to do. Well, let's talk about your diet. Let's talk about stress. Let's talk about rest. Let's talk about relaxation. What else is going on in your life? That's my favorite question. What else is happening? And yeah. start to see how those contributors are involved in constructing that experience. But it's it, this this narrative. I mean, I mean, I mean, this idea, I really like how he said, I mean, this is like one of the smartest, I shouldn't say the smartest, because we had just known from this interview that he gave on this yeah. was published on NBC News, but an orthopedic uh, surgeon who's actually talking about how the body is not a car. I mean, I think the closest analogy is not perfect, but instead of thinking of your body as a car, think about it as a muscle. If you move the muscle, did you use this before? Mm-mm. Uh, like, I can't remember if I figured this out or if someone else <laughs> told me this, but you know, if you, if you imagine that, and this includes your brain, by the way, that your brain and body are a muscle. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you move it, you stress it, you relax it, it recovers and hypertrophies and gets stronger. Yeah. If you don't move it, you restrict it and limit it atrophies. Mm-hmm. So just like a muscle, like you were talking about the, the, the marathon, mm-hmm. you are not going to try to lift a thousand pounds. If you've never lifted anything in your life, you're not going to lift a hundred pounds. If you've never lifted anything in your life, your muscle doesn't have the strength and capability there. It right. does not mean that you can never lift a hundred pounds. So you yeah. start low, you start, you go slow, you stress the body with some sort of activity. You let the body recover and you do that by backing off. So there's an adequate rest period so that you sleep, that you have provide them proper nutrition nutrients. And then you go back and you do it again. And yeah. over time it adapts, it hypertrophies and it gets better. And yeah. so that, that is such a better analogy than the car for, uh, for what we're thinking. Oh, and, it's, and it's wear and t- I hate that term wear yeah, and tear because it inherently, words. and it's threatening. Yeah. Who, who wants I, it? Oh, you just got wear and tear. Oh my God. I've seen wear and tear on tires before. And that means I'm going to skid out and smash into a tree or, you know, whatever. I mean, it is, it is such a bad analogy. Yeah. I think the words I use and, and tell me what you think about this, but I tend to use like, as we get older, it's just a, maybe a little bit less resilient or it's a little bit more, um, there might be a little bit of a vulnerability there to, you know, sudden changes. It just needs a little more time to adapt. Like those are the things that I think, I don't think of myself as like, I have a lot of wear and tear. Like I think of it as just, okay, it may not be quite as resilient as 20 years ago. So what do I do do about that? Well, I need to start lower, go slower, and I can get to a good place. You're not going to believe it till you get there. That's part of the faith in the process, but you also have to be aware where you're starting. And we've talked about this before, aware of where you're starting and be honest with yourself about where you're starting because people trick themselves into thinking, oh, what you did five years ago or 20 years ago, even worse, and thinking that the body's capable of that when you haven't kept it, you know, tuned up to that level for so long. So, yeah, I think I I love that that we're bringing this up in that, um, you know, hips, knees, all the joints, like, you know, it may just need some rest take a different strategy, 
still use them. Don't give up on them because it'll give up on you. I mean, at some point, if you don't take care of them, so you got to use it to a certain extent and get someone to help you that understands this concept and doesn't do that. Uh, I've been there before. I've seen personal trainers that are. Well, and, and that's, that's the hard part though. Yeah. Because we want to say, and, and I'll oh, go talk to your doctor, go talk to this. But that doesn't work if you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> it's right. And um, that could be more dangerous in some situation. I'm not trying to confuse anybody or make you worried. But the, the fact of the matter, there are there are those who kind of understand the, the, the living, breathing adaptability of the body and the brain, and yeah. that there's are don't who don't. And you can get the wrong physician, you can get the wrong therapist. You can, who, or personal trainer who will tell you flat out wrong information. Yeah. Um, or push you too hard, too fast and not letting you listen and helping you understand your body. Well, and that's on the flip side is like, well, right. they're, you know, you, you can just do this and blah, blah, blah. Although I'm not, I'm not entirely, I think that, I, I think that may get more, I don't know how to say press, but, but kind of grabs more attention because it's so much more, um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's more attention grabbing, right? So somebody who says, "Oh, well, the, the person made me lift this," and then I, I can't even think of what would happen. I mean, because even if you strain I'm, yourself, the, most of the majority of the time you're going to recover. It's not like you're going to yeah, get paralyzed. Not a or bicep anything. tear or something. Like yeah. That. But so let's say let's say a bicep tear. So someone someone who hasn't, and they go out and they fa maybe they find an aggressive tear uh, trainer who maybe doesn't know what they're doing, yeah. and then advises them to lift. 200 pounds when they can't lift 20 pounds, right? And somehow, because it would be very hard to do this if you have a completely deconditioned body to even tear your ligaments, but somehow they do it, right? That grabs a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. um, that becomes a crisis event for the brain. And then we're always thinking, well, I don't want to do that. Yep. But the ones that are not so attention grabbing, I, I would wager uh, and I would wager that we, that there's more damage done by people who don't who who recommend don't move for nonsense reasons than those who don't understand maybe and people are pushing too hard mm -hmm. um, because those aren't getting the attention. They're slower to occur. They're much more generalized. Um, but I think from a societal standpoint, I think the damage is actually significantly worse. Yeah. You know? Right. I. I think it might be a causation thing. The cause and effect seems very pro proximate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus, versus like someone tells you not to do something, you may not be thinking 10 years down the road, that person's advice that made me change things created this problem later because you you don't make that proximate kind of cause oh, effect yeah. relationship. That's a great point. I mean, and, and it is, is because is the brain is always kind of, you know, the brain is a, a prediction-making mis machine and it's trying to make sense and it's trying to create yeah. a story. And right. it's very difficult to suddenly like, oh my God, I am completely out of shape and I have accelerated heart disease and um, everything hurts. When did this start? Oh, it started when I stopped doing the activities because my orthopedic surgeon seven years ago told me I shouldn't run anymore. And because I wasn't running, I became less happy and I started getting a little sadder. And so I started eating more and I started putting on more weight and I started you know, withdrawing because I lost my social circle. That is a very difficult story to construct. Yes. Um, instead of, oh, I just had a heart attack because whatever, my bad genes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, it yeah. started literally seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Here, here I, I'm bringing in sports here for an example. Makes me think of my husband who watches a lot of uh, of games and he sees it as a story. 
So you, you made the light bulb went off when you said all this, because what happens when a player makes a mistake at the beginning of a game versus a critical point at the end of the game that you missed a shot or you let a goal go in and you just miss the championship. It's human behavior, human tendency to fixate on the most proximate potential cause and effect relationship as the most critical piece versus really seeing the big picture and stepping back and realizing all of the parts of the story throughout the game were part of the effect or the outcome. Now it could be another five seconds. If you were given another five seconds, maybe you could have changed it with another element. But the point is the player at the end is mortified and or social media attacks them. And in some cases, soccer, it can be like life threatening or, or threats in their life that people associate that person was the cause of the outcome, despite the fact that the whole game was important. So that's, that's my, it, it's bizarro that we think like that. <laughs> it's, all, it's also called the peak end rule, which has oh, to do. Well, I didn't know there was an actual name for it. <laughs> it's a, it's a heuristic that, that um, and, and this has all these pain implications with it about how we <laughs> measure and judge experiences is like the, like the point of maximum intensity, as well as the end. And mm. there's some fascinating story. This was done by uh, Dan Kahneman, Daniel Kahneman of Thinking Fast and Slow, and they mm, did these yeah. studies about pain and colonoscopy, incidentally, mm. where um, they do these curves. And, and basically what, what, what happens is they found that the, the pleasantness or unpleasantness of the experience was measured by the peak sense of intent, uh, of unpleasantness and by the end point of intent. In, intent. So if you had... Um, something very, very intense that was unpleasant, but then it was short and ended very quickly, but it ended quickly, still very intense. That overall experience was, was, was viewed as more unpleasant by those they interviewed than say you had the same peak intensity, which is kind of difficult to do, but you know, they tried to get the same peak intensity and then you tapered off and you withdrew the scope and the, uh, very slowly. And so the end of the experience was very low. But despite the area, if you graph it out, the area of the curb of unpleasantness experience was actually bigger. Mm-hmm. And so I think the title of the study was literally something like people prefer to experience more pain in these situations because of the peak end rule, because the actual experience, the end, the end that they're using to grade that was so much lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, I never thought about it in, in, in those terms of sports, but it is, it, it's how your kind of brain works. And so you kind of think of the game and you have some peak incidents of a play that someone views as a disaster in the middle of the game is going to heavily influence what your experience of that game was. Oh, because this guy missed the field goal. And then certainly the end of mm-hmm. how that then, you know, fits uh, it's, I, yeah. love, I love neuroscience. I think it is, it is just the coolest stuff in. Yeah. But it's it's the exact same thing with health and, and wellness oh, yeah. stuff. Like in the middle of a game, the lack of something happening, you're you're not the perception is not you're not even grasping the fact that, well, if this person had done this, it could have created this. And you're not focusing on what is lacking per se. It's what you see and visualize and that shouldn't have happened or you missed it or whatever. So I always find that fascinating. It's like, you know, someone who never got obese and then yet we don't celebrate any of the little things they're doing. And then they're someone who's obese and then loses 200 pounds. You know, you can, you focus on that and that's like media, like, uh, important. <laughs> like, well, it's, 
it, you know, we, we do that with a lot of different things because, well, because there's contrast, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There's, there's contrast. We're visual. There, there, there's visual contrast, but there's all, there's story-based contrast that is so much more attention grabbing, you know, the, 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 the change that allows <laughs> the change that allows it to, to notice, um, to perceive a difference, important. you know, that's, I mean, we, we, our brains are designed to perceive differences because mm -hmm. that these differences allow us to actually define things. And then that allows us to form concepts and things, but the long and short of it is when it comes to your body is beware of these little fallacies that can affect you. And certainly beware of the fallacies that people tell you about age and age related change and how that is the source or because of the presence, it means you can't do it. Instead, I would be very questioning. I, I mean, and I don't, you know, people complain about Dr. Google or whatever, but the fact of the matter is I would be, I'm always a very skeptical individual. I know it's shocking if you listen to any point in this podcast, um, but there is a reason why I'm so skeptical is because there's lots of reasons to be skeptical of. And if you hear someone where people is trying to assign a point of something, for a chronic condition for you, question that, and then make sure what they're telling you is actually based in fact. If they're talking about pain and it is coming from a structure seen on imaging, go look at what the actual evidence says about those structures from studies, not from someone's web page who's trying to sell you something. Because like that's for, for back pain. I mean, oh if you God. just Google Diamond disc and back pain, oh my God, then you run into like the. What's that place that I think they finally got sued because they had so many malpractice? Maybe they're bankrupt now. Laser Spine or something. Oh, yeah. They used to advertise in plane magazines. Oh, my God. What a bunch of quacks they were. <laughs> um, it, 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 oh, anyway, just, I mean, the, 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 the default heuristic when it comes to your health is literally move it or lose it. When in doubt, move it. You know, unless there's a fresh bone hanging in your spurting blood everywhere because you have this trauma situation, literally. If it's chronic and has been there for a long time, more movement is going to be more beneficial than less movement for literally every chronic condition out there. Yeah. I, I can't think of any where it would make sense not to. Yeah. I mean, even osteogenesis imperfecta, movement's still important. Oh, yeah. You just have to do it with less impact and and not, you know. And be like, careful, right? Being you, just careful. Have to, you, yeah. you have to be more safe in how you move. Osteogenesis imperfecta, for those who don't know, is a, is a, is a genetic disorder. Like that brittle bone almost, disease. Yeah, that nobody listening to this actually has. It's not osteoporosis. I mean, this is one where, you know, babies are born with fractures in their pelvis just yeah. from going through the birth canal. It's really serious. Yeah. But if they don't move, they're not going to strengthen the muscles. Um, they, 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 you know, they have to move, they have to be extra cautious on how they actually are adapting themselves, right. but they can still adapt. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's ugh, diabetes, diabetes move. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna, it, it helps diabetes, you know, um, hypertension, move, hypertension, move, cardiovascular, cardiovascular move. move. <laughs> Pain, move, which is not a disease per se, but an experience. Yeah. Depression, move. I mean, yeah. it's anxiety, move. move. <laughs> like, oh we should just make sure so that move, you know, the change position, yes. move. Please move. Be aware. No, we're going to say be aware and move. That's be aware and say. move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I think you should take us out on this episode. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us to another episode of the Change Position podcast, where we will tell you. Probably stuff you might not hear everywhere else and maybe do it in a little more direct way, but we do it because we love you and we That's want right. you to get well.
So anyway, if you appreciate the episodes, we always appreciate a review on iTunes or whatever your podcast station is. And if you want to be a part of the community, you can go to thechangedphysician.com and subscribe there where you either are a physician or a physician ally. And until next time, stay well. Thank Take you care. for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.